0: Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. We were expecting to do a lot of Nets scouting reports, but not on Spencer Dinwiddie. That's coming up next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Lockdown Lakers your first listen to every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on weekends, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always free. It's never behind a paywall. And Lockdown Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 23,000 subscribers, all of whom are really wondering what this uh, Spencer Dinwiddie thing is going to look like. And um, I know, like we had been, we had been preparing to reach out to Adam Armbrecht, the host of Locked On Nets. Uh, you can also find his work at wegotnets.com. dot uh, Check all that out. We were like Andy, I am like, we're gonna have to do a. It's gonna be about Royce O'Neill. It's gonna be a Dorian Finney Smith. It's gonna be whoever the filler is to make the the salary. Did, did we get a hidden gem here in that deal? No. It turns out it's Spencer Dinwiddie that we're here to do the scattering report on. Um, are you at all surprised, Adam? Thank you for coming on that. This is uh, how things turned out.
1: Well, I I guess if I was going to put on my Lakers, you know, cap for a minute, this is wait a minute. So, so what we didn't get to John Murray, we, we didn't, you know, move D'Angelo Russell, who apparently is back to playing great basketball for us. We didn't get Dorian Finney Smith. We didn't get Royce O'Neal, right? Like you, if you were going down the list, this would have been the, well, something didn't work out for us. And maybe this ends up still being valuable, but right from your guys' perspective, this was not the path for the Lakers of the deadline. They seem to come up short on whatever their agenda was.
2: Well, I think it's a it's potentially an issue depending on how you look at it of coming up short. I think it's potentially an issue of not really having the pieces to make some of these deals, particularly in what is I think really revealed itself to have been a seller's market. And when you look at, I know I want to talk about this later on with you. When you look at, say, the deal that transpired that led to Royce O'Neal going to Phoenix or some of the other deals around the league, I don't know if the Lakers could have ended up uh, putting those pieces together. But in the meantime, there was a lot of reports about disconnect and discontent between the Nets and Spencer and Dinwiddie. Like from your perspective, what happened with? Because that's his this was his second go-around with Brooklyn. The first one probably was a pretty happy experience for Dinwiddie. Like what from your perspective went wrong? Yeah, those are the
0: glory days. Uh the, the last yeah. time that
1: Spencer Dinwiddie was here. Last time this franchise, you know, you'd think that the superstar air with Kevin Durant and Kyrie pre, would have been. Pre, it's
0: pre-crypto, though. So I mean, I think I wonder if cryptocurrency changed him.
1: We did at one point, uh, at least I did, I don't think it really caught on, but we did refer to Spencer Dinwiddie as uh, the entrepreneur, right? Because he's mm-hmm. he's got a lot going on beyond the game of basketball. But it's interesting when, when we think about Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, ironically, the Nets paid him and then traded him to the Washington Wizards. So they got him paid the first time around you mentioned he goes to Dallas obviously highly successful behind Luka but coming back there was a only one report very loosely speculated that when they got him back Spencer Dinwiddie from Dallas that they wanted to talk about extending him that this was getting back you know even even keel get away from the superstar era and Spencer Dinwiddie obviously represented one of the better times in the Nets recent basketball history something disconnected there it seems like even if it was only a small footprint Because it went from Spencer Dinwiddie being added into the McHale Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, veteran-heavy team, to him being on the outside looking in. Now, he always mentioned when he talked about Nick Claxton, it was about going to get him paid. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. This core going forward always kept himself on the outside of that. So I don't know if it's role-dependent or if it's just that maybe this team, especially without having Ben Simmons for a long stretch to start this year, surprise, surprise, that his role was just shifting and looked different even than it did for the 27 games last year when he came over from Dallas. So I don't know. I'm a little surprised given the general goodwill between player and organization that seemed to be there that it looked like Dinwiddie got to a point where it was, I, I no longer want to be here. I don't see this as being my mm-hmm. best option, maybe on an expiring contract to get the next big deal for himself.
0: There, There is a ton of inconsistency with his output over the course of his career it seems to be that he performs better on good teams when mm-hmm. uh, when there's something sort of to play for, but broadly never been a particularly good three-point shooter, never been a particularly efficient scorer. That said, when Dinwiddie is right, when he's going well, what does he bring?
1: He brings secondary ball handling for sure, and you saw this not only last year, but even the beginning of this season, which only makes the drop-off or disconnect that much more alarming because at the start of the year he was one of the better players his on on off numbers he represented the most consistent the option that the nets had especially in a very thin backcourt cam thomas not ready to take on that role so secondary ball handling for sure need him to run the point for some possessions of course he can do that coming off the bench he's also a good floor spacer listen you go back and look at his time in dallas when he plays with luca the beyond the arc numbers are phenomenal career high numbers they dropped off dramatically coming over to Brooklyn last year initially, and then have dropped even further this season. I mean, he's below 29% from beyond the arc. He's below 40% from the field right now. So all these numbers look alarming, but if you put him on a, on a team with a LeBron James, with an Anthony Davis with shooters, where the spacing is there, he has pretty solid catch and shoot numbers, right? He's North of 35% on catch and shoot threes. I think one of the downfalls, whether or not he's getting towards 31 and is, you know, slowing down a little bit, the Brooklyn Nets had no spacing on this roster. So, that's really going to mitigate some of the things that he does well, including getting at the basket. Go back to the, the Dallas days and even last season. He's getting to the line over four and a half times a game, now under three and a half times this season with Brooklyn. But it's so congested in there, and he doesn't have that quick first step. So, I, I, some of those skill sets, finishing at the rim, has size good defensive player for what he is, not an elite, you know, shutdown guy, but they had him playing up and playing some of the the best players offensively for other teams in Brooklyn. So I think if you slot him back into where he's supposed to be, right? Veteran guard coming off the bench, spacing the floor, handling the ball a little bit, you've got a quality player that elevates what you currently
2: have on your bench for LA. Okay, I want to check back in about the defense in a second, just because that goes counter to a lot of his reputation. So that's, uh, potentially a very pleasant, su- pleasantly surprising thing to hear about. But offensively, what is his utility off the ball? Um, because that—that that is one of the things that works at least offensively with D'Lo and Reeves. For example, is both mm-hmm. of them can have utility off the ball. You want the ball in LeBron's hands, but he is shooting well from outside. Like what? What does he provide either as a shooter, a cutter, or anything like that when he doesn't have the ball?
1: Yeah, I, I don't look at him as being a guy off ball who's going to be giving you a backdoor cut, right? So LeBron with the ball in his hands and, and finding him there. You think about models like I think Reeves represents this very active off the ball, right? He's going to run wind sprints to try to get himself to that spot. That's not really Dinwiddie's mold. I, he is more of a off ball stationary wait for your look inside of a more, you know, superstar driven roster. So I don't think you're going to get those type of cutting actions off of him. I think if you're running some high double screen actions near the top of the key, if he's going to go ahead and maybe be triggering the ball, get into LeBron James' hands, work some of those screens and then get into the mid-range game, he's comfortable there as well. So I think you can find pockets for him in and around the paint. Something that he didn't do a lot of for Brooklyn mid-range shooting, but I think that that actually will function a lot better for with LA because again, you're talking about all of your front court Can also shoot and score. The Nets didn't have that, so it really mitigates what is probably one of his better strengths, if we're talking about floor spacing, and then maybe finding shooting pockets for himself as well.
0: All right, let's let's get into this defensive question here uh, next, because obviously, look, I mean, you 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 put it in quotes, but like you know, you're you're putting him next to uh, and comparing him to D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves, both of whom who have struggled to say the least uh, this year on that side of the ball. So. It actually is conceivable that Dinwiddie could provide, at the very least, an up, a, a small upgrade or not make things worse. So talk about defense, and we'll talk about just how high the asking price really was for Dorian Finney-Smith. All of that next.
2: Locked on Lakers is brought to you by PrizePix, America's number one fantasy sports app with over $3 million. Members, we are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch the winnings roll in. And it is demon time on prize picks. You can now pick up, you can now win up to a hundred times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn ten dollars into a thousand dollars demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks squares marked with red demons or green goblins gets you different payouts and prize picks also offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like taco tuesday like today every tuesday Prize Picks discounts, select player projections up to twenty-five percent to provide even more value. Plus, it's an excuse to get yourself some tacos as part of the theme, which is a win in and of itself. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay as well for quick and easy deposits into your account. This basketball season, so go to PrizePicks.com/slashLockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to hundred bucks. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Reminder, the Lakers play the Pistons tonight at 7.30 p.m. That team is a mess. Catch every Lakers game on the Hometown Broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Lakers.
0: Okay, uh, Adam, the the defensive uh, issues with the Lakers' backcourt, particularly at the point of attack, have been a problem this year. Um, You know, Austin Reeves tries his hardest at everything he does, but is uh including leaving shooters open right he has a Listen. real tendency to overhelp and it's you got
1: to try everything started. guys sometimes yeah, right. you know you throw it up <laughs> against the wall and it turns he's, out not defending at all that that can be a problem he yeah. puts it's, his I mean, whole
2: I mean, ass I mean, into it man even his mistakes they are right. extreme mistakes <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> don't 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 start trying to clean up other people's stuff until you take care of your own room is, is how i would put it um but he's trying he you can't fault the effort um russell even, you know, loses focus, but he's trying to, he's not very good at it uh, to his own admission. Um, wh- what, where can Dinwiddie help? Um, you know, you mentioned a little bit of, you know, potentially as a guy who might be able to pick people up, you know, if you're not asking him to guard Kyrie um, yeah. or something, you know, and, and fit into a, a team defensive scheme.
1: Yeah, I, I think again, it's, you know, when you compare it to Brooklyn, they asked him to pick up the the best shooter. Right. You know, go defend the best shooter on the other team for stretches here. And that's mostly because, you know, Cam Thomas still learning. Right. He's an effort guy defensively now, which is a big leap forward for him. But he's not good defensively at this point. And Dinwiddie, you know, you go and look at it for D low, six, three, right. Small backcourt player. Reeves set listed at six, five. I don't know if I fully believe that, but also under 200 pounds. So even just from a size standpoint, that's where he's a thin team. So when we refer to you know Spencer Dinwiddie as well, he's a, one of the bigger bodies in the backcourt. It's not saying a lot for Brooklyn, but it, it would be saying something for the LA Lakers, right? Just the guy, he has good length. I think he has one of the better reaches for backcourt players too in terms of wingspan. So that's, I think, what his biggest benefit is. He's quick enough to stay in front of guys. He's okay going with players to the basket. He can actually do a decent job impacting shots going towards the rim. Again, Am I going to sit here and tell you, you know, everybody clear out, let them go ahead and lock up, as you say, Kyrie Irving? No, that's, you know, you're asking for a problem there. The hard part probably for me to give Lakers fans an exciting note about him is effort. Because one of the things that we looked, and this is for a lot of players on the Brooklyn Nets, we said, well, they certainly are, they are certainly making a lot of effort, closeouts, right, scrambling. And over the course of the season, we actually took a step back and said, well, sometimes the scrambling looks like effort, but it's actually just being out of position, right? It's actually just not being where you're supposed to be on the court. So that's something I wonder about with Dinwiddie in terms of not getting lost in the defensive scheme, especially if there's an adjustment here in terms around where is Anthony Davis responsibility? Where's LeBron James going to be? Yeah. The, the the benefit here is that like a Nicholas Claxton, I'll just say in terms of being able to step out away from the basket, Dinwiddie has familiarity with that as well. So there's flexibility defensively. I think you have enough bigger players on your roster from a defensive assignment standpoint that he'll actually what be picking up the fourth best scoring option in in a lot of situations. Often coming off the
0: the guys coming off the bench too. So
1: right. Yeah. Right. And you're also talking about second unit. So that comparison alone, he was starting for Brooklyn this year, picking up starting defensive assignments. Now he'll be on the bench, picking up second unit players. So his game will probably elevate solely just based on where he slots in for LA.
0: Yeah. And, and you're, you're kind of touching on Adam where I wanted to ask, because like in theory, the engagement factor, uh, the Lakers have slipped considerably over the last month defensively, but in theory, are supposed to be a little bit more organized and capable on that end uh, as as compared to the Nets. No disrespect. Um, assuming that the Lakers can articulate a structure, is he the type of defender who can understand that you know follow the the principles, do all that kind of stuff to fit into a team scheme and avoid the types of scrambling and mistakes and being out of position that frankly austin reeves has been prone to this year
1: yeah i think so because again uh, you know jacques vaughn they went from doing a lot of they would switch every single thing every single action on defense they would switch all the time dayron sharp couldn't find minutes because they were unwilling to take their five and, and play drop coverage they started to mix and match that this season and there was a lot of confusion throughout the roster but spencer dinwiddie has been around long enough played in enough systems right i think if you give him the the directive he's going to follow that and i and i <laughs> i hate to be as basic as He's playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis now. There's a different level of expectation, right? Ben Simmons, once upon a time, was considered to be a ex-player in the league. He's not that anymore. Not that Dimley doesn't respect all those guys, but but there's a hierarchy here, right? So get where you need to be, and the reward for that Unlike with Brooklyn is going to be probably back on the other end. You get the easy wide open triples, right? You get the easy baskets offensively. So there's probably a little bit of reward here for Spencer Dinwiddie to be locked in on that end to get the benefit on the other side of the court. I'm going to go to the Dallas Mavericks stats on it, right? Like that, that's what you're hoping for here for Spencer Dinwiddie. Now it's a year and a half later. He is a little bit older. But I think that you're, you're going to get closer to that version of him than what you saw in Brooklyn, especially over the course of this season. Right Back in Dallas, he shot 45% from the field. He was 40% from beyond the arc, clearly a best career mark there, and did that the year prior in Dallas as well. And if you want the sample size that maybe bolsters you a little bit more, go look at Washington. When he goes to the Wizards and it's an expanded role, he's shooting thirty seven thirty-one percent from deep, thirty-eight percent from the field. Like you can almost one to one look at what Jordan Poole is up to these days for the Wizards, right? Go play <laughs> on a bad team, get the you get to do more, increase your usage. Of course, you know. There's a reason why you're not a superstar player in the league, right? There's a reason why you don't lead teams. So when you look at his usage percentage up in the mid-20s, keep that thing underneath 20%, and you're going to get probably the best value on him. I think it's about finding that that right axis, and it seems like, at least on paper in L.A., they should be successful with that. Although, as you mentioned, Brian, I, you know the Lakers have been a bit of a confusing team uh, so far this season, so it's never 100% what you're going to get on the court. Bit. A little
2: bit, yeah. Um, speaking of value, um, it seems like Brooklyn, according to reports, were, they wanted all the value for Dorian Finney-Smith. There have been reports like two picks and a, and a good young player.
0: Is that it, true? Yeah. <laughs> really want sort of two refreshing... first-rounders for Dorian Finney-Smith?
1: I believe it got at one point to the equivalent of two first-round picks, so that could be a pick and a player, uh, you know, and then now whether or not you think that that's worth it. Uh, once upon a time, last deadline, they they were offered two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith, and they turned it down because they thought they were doing this thing, right? They wanted to keep winning. I think his his cost control, too, because he has another year, and then a player option, which it's it's north of $15 million, so he might actually opt into that based on where his age will be. So they can push a decision on him a little bit further. I, this is mostly Sean Marks. I think he wanted to set the standard that we don't want to trade them. Like, you're publicly saying, we do not want to trade these players. We like them on our roster. We like what they represent. If you want to blow us out of the water, great. And this trade deadline ended up just not materializing in that way in terms of what... And then the Lakers, as you guys know... You just didn't have the the spare parts to really send out for that. Uh, Andy, you and I did this conversation. The fan base yes. loved me for it. By the way, they were big. Fans oh, yeah. I was bringing, <laughs> She's
2: taking all your guys. I took all every young you player. I could find. so popular.
1: But 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 you know, but it's if you're the Lakers, you probably have to draw the line somewhere. And, and some things are just the mechanics of first round picks and whether or not you can move them. And then it's young players. You know, it, it, if I found out that the Lakers were willing to offer the one first round pick and. You know, Jalen Hood, Shafino, I think that the Nets should jump at that. They need to be younger. They need more draft capital. But this offseason, matching salaries, that's going to be something that maybe
2: the Nets think about too. Royce O'Neal ended up going to Phoenix. And we we heard from a lot of Laker fans who were unhappy that the Lakers couldn't figure out a way to do it. I actually think it would have been complicated if you look at the actual deal and the machinations. Mm-hmm. Um How much do you think, though, he actually would help the Lakers? Like, what type of season was he having? He, I mean, he's you know, so unlike say Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal
1: post superstar trades, exact same player. The percentages didn't change from beyond the arc. You know, he for the Nets could do a little bit of ball handling, which is saying a lot for that team at the time. And then they also, I mean, listen, they they made him play five. You know, he was trying to he's bodying up against Giannis in certain situations. Now you don't want to do that, and you never have to for the Lakers. I actually think. If there was a player, while Dorian Finney-Smith is regarded very highly, for what Mm -hmm. Royce O'Neal is and what the cost was going to be, I think the Lakers should have tried to be in on him because he's the the perfect player. He has versatility. You can play him at a lot of different roles. And again, his consistency, specifically from beyond the arc, never dropped a single beat pre or post having superstars on the roster. I would have. I think the Lakers would have been very satisfied with him and you could make an easy case, very easy case, obviously that having him instead of Spencer Dinwiddie would be much better version of this team going down the stretch.
0: Still running into the same trouble of figuring out which players to send out. I mean, that, that, that was really the ultimate, yeah. I think issue with the Lakers in trying to put any of these things together. Um, it was an interesting deadline to say the least. The, uh, the, 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 the the post stuff with uh, you know who ends up on the buyout market and Spencer Dinwiddie ending up in LA certainly adds a wrinkle, um, but make sure you check out uh, wegotnets.com. Make sure you check out Locked on Nets. Uh, I do just to follow all the Cam Thomas news. He's on my uh, fantasy team as a there keeper. So I'm very interested in his development. Um, Adam, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Guys. Yeah, the, the brothers,
1: Komenetsky, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the experience.
0: <laughs> and it is Thanks, it is quite that. All right, uh, we will react to everything Adam Armbrecht had to say next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by
2: BetterHelp. And sometimes we just need an opportunity to get things off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you, and it's important to let that out, especially with someone who's unbiased in your life. You know, we we do this show that we hope is a nice escape from real life. We. You love the Lakers, I love the Lakers, and it can be a stress release from real life to enjoy a Laker game. Sometimes there can be stress from watching a Laker game, but either way, it's something that can relieve stress, but we also know there are more pressing issues in life, and most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And for those issues, it can be huge to talk with a professional. I know therapy has helped me and my family during a really difficult period in our lives and therapy can be different for everyone. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible, suited f- for your schedule. You can visit betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's com slash
0: LockedOnNBA. Do want to let everyone know this episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash locked on NBA and use the code all lowercase now locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, so uh, plenty to get into off of that. Thanks again to Adam Armbrecht for joining us. do want to remind everyone Lakers, uh taking on the Pistons tonight at the crypt. 7 30 is the start. Catch every minute of the Lakers hometown broadcast with Series XM on the SXM app search Lakers. Um, this is obviously a game, Andy. The Lakers must win. Uh the Pistons, while I guess playing a little better, are still terrible. So um just don't don't take it lightly. Be professional, as LeBron has put it before the Charlotte game, and they ought to win this one. Uh, it is a big, big, big problem if they don't. Um, anyway. Uh, that was interesting. There was a lot in there that I thought um, Lakers fans could latch on particularly on the defensive side. Yes. Hearing, the, the, not lockdown, but competent, I thought was reassuring. Well, I mean, if nothing else, it gives you optionality. Like,
2: I, I, I'm not going to lie, Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't somebody that I was necessarily thinking about closing a lot of games just because you don't automatically go there with bench players for for the most part, unless it's somebody that's playing a bench role that you really know is, for all intents and purposes, a starter, just the configurations work better with them coming off the bench. But the idea that Dinwiddie could at least be an option, uh, if nothing else, the best of the defensive weak links, if you need a ball handler out there, and in most cases you need... At least one who isn't LeBron. It's nice to know that Dinwiddie
0: actually could be a better option than what I think is his reputation. Maybe, maybe more than his reputation. I'm not sure. I would go so far as to like, oh, you know, he becomes a really good closing option. But just hearing that, you know, he's maybe perhaps not the the level of liability. Because really, what I, I think, like we talked about it for for Monday's show, what I think is appealing about Dinwiddie. Is it really does allow the Lakers to have a a real point on the on the floor at all times. Um, and it allows Reeves to kind of move back and forth in that role where he wants to, but not have to play point guard when D'Angelo Russell's not on the floor with Gabe Vincent unavailable. And so, you know, to hear that okay, maybe he's not gonna maybe elevate the backcourt defensive rotation, he's also maybe not gonna make it worse. Um I, I think is is at the very least a good start. It it it, it doesn't it doesn't then if he can be a, a defensive neutral if he, whatever it doesn't eat into the options that Ham has in terms of trying to figure out how to best utilize Dinwiddie for, you know, the the, the 20ish, you know, 18 to 24 minute I don't know how much he's going to play. Um but I it just that he's better than his reputation. I think is is look is comfortable.
2: I'm at least holding out open-mindedness that he could potentially be more than just a defensive neutral. That, relatively speaking, he could be a defensive upgrade with this group. That doesn't mean he would be a defensive upgrade or defensively along the lines with other backcourt combinations around the league. It's not saying that Spencer Dinwiddie is... A great defender if he could be an upgrade, but an upgrade's an upgrade. And sure.
0: Although upgrade, I, I would wonder whether or not that, the the you know, it would have to be a pretty big jump, I think, to make up for, unless again, Dinwiddie's performance as a shooter, his engagement, all those things improve. Would he be a better option, you know, with, with the with this small upgrade potentially in defense outweigh what I think would be a downgrade offensively versus both Russell and. I don't know. I mean, it, I just think I, if, it, if you're, you're going to sit a, a guard at the end of the game, it would probably be D'Lo, and it would probably be for a different player once they have all their guys available. But, I mean, look, I mean, we'll see. It depends on I, – I think offensively it really depends on how
2: much shooting you have out there because Dinwiddie is somebody that can handle the ball. He is someone that can run your sets. I mean, he's somebody that can fill that type of role. I think it would just depend on the spacing on the floor. The other thing that I, I liked hearing about was the downhill ability. Because that's something we've talked about that has been missing a lot with both D'Lo and Reeves, who, you know, they have the ability to get into the lane, but they don't do it in a just take off and go, make you defend as they are just going towards the basket, that sort of force. You know, something that they've really been missing in Dennis Schroeder, that they just, that, that element, especially as they've been trying to space the floor a lot, And, you know, not just for shooting and not just for LeBron and AD, but also for potential driving lanes. The idea that Dinwiddie can be that type of presence and offer that type of utility, that I think opens up some options that they really didn't have before.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, he should have the space. I mean, you know, Russell and Reeves are both obviously very capable of getting into the lane, but they do it differently. Yeah, you know, it's it's off the screen. It's 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 that kind of stuff. It's the change of pace. It's you know, oftentimes with uh, with Reeves, it's it's a it's a process. It's a longer process of doing it as he's probing and kind of doing all that stuff. A lot of jazz um, hands. Yeah, and so you know, he does. You know, it's nice to have a different way of doing that. And again, yeah. there's something to be said. For as much as you know, Dorian Finney-Smith would have addressed a need, or Royce O'Neal addresses a specific need, and I'm not saying this is better than had the Lakers had the stuff to make deals like that happen. But all I'm saying is that there is value in enhancing things you're already good at. Taking a you know a strength and making it stronger is you know, and so the, for, for the Lakers who are good at getting into the paint, who are good at drawing fouls and creating offense in that way, adding somebody like Dinwiddie to a second, presumably the second unit, and continuing that with a little bit more, um, you know, the kind of a a greater capacity, still on the floor with Reeves, still on the floor with Russell, you know, a, a LeBron, AD, whoever else is around it, you're able to really do that better. That improvement helps your defense. It helps your other components of your game. So if you can tweak up that offense a little bit more in ways that slow down a game, allow you to play off of made free throws and things like that, finishes at the basket, that can help the Lakers in transition defense, in half-court
2: defense. Yeah, we we talked about this for Monday's show. Like, you can make an argument that Dorian Finney Smith or Royce O'Neill, we discussed this more at length with Adam, could have filled what, ha- what feels like more of a pressing need in terms of weaknesses for the Lakers or just guys that they don't have to do certain things, check certain boxes. Smith or Finney Smith or O'Neill could have done that better. But as far as just basketball skill, certainly in terms of buyout options, but you could argue. Most of the guys that moved at the deadline, Dinwiddie is as skilled as basically anybody. I mean, like in in terms of just adding talent, like talent as uh, a basketball player, I think Dinwiddie is about as good as the Lakers could have done during this period Regardless of how they got the player,
0: I mean, they're they're not in play for Pascal Siakam. They're not in play for you know OG and like guys like that. That's just not something they were. I'm talking about guys
2: realistically
0: they could have gotten. And so yeah, it's there is it is no harm to add talent for nothing, which is essentially what they've done. And I it doesn't make them worse. um, Figuring out how to play it makes them better. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like. the, the 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 acquisition doesn't make the, the cost of the acquisition if you have this and it does fill a need. The Lakers have missed Gabe Vince specific aspects of Gabe Vincent's skill set in terms of the presumption of of defense and and stuff like that. Um but they've also just missed the availability of a yes. legitimate third guard and like not being able to have that and shoehorning Austin Reeves not into a a position where he's not just handling the ball as an attacking guard to try to score or whatever but also having to do the the offensive orchestration and then also getting difficult assignments defensively and then also and also and also just not having a competent reliable professional third guard has been a major limitation since Vincent went down and this solves that problem yeah i mean
2: one way to think about it would be vincent is a resource and the lakers have not had that
0: resource correct din now gives them a resource they didn't have before so different resource but he's also bigger than than vincent you know he's not the defender but he's also bigger which makes Mm -hmm. this is you know meaningful in some ways so um again reminder that the lakers are taking on the pistons tonight this this is a must-win game. You cannot lose two teams that have, what, six or seven wins on the season. That just can't happen. Uh, that game starts at 7.30. Catch every minute of Lakers broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Lakers. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, hang out with over 23,000 subscribers. Uh Andy will be back. I will hopefully be joining uh, tonight's show with um, – Uh, Darian Vaziri from Locked On Clippers, also a big Lakers guy, knows everything that's going on here. So he's going to be joining us post-show, hopefully for all three of us, but we'll see. Uh, And we will see everybody after the game.